Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing this morning? Everybody, everybody awake? <laughs> Getting there? Well, well, yeah. Always glad to to be be here with with my church family. Uh, I'd like to ask you all to to join me in saying our prayer before we read the Bible text. And the prayer is found in the in the front of our songbook. It says, Lord. Give us life as we seek you in your kingdom with the whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 through 7 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer sacrifice of fools who do not <clears throat> know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, Do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. So I remember uh, we were sitting together, uh, Scott, Karina, and I talking about, you know, the series of Ecclesiastes, and I remember picking this one, and, and I wanted it, and I was like, yeah, and as I got to study, and I'm like, oh, Lord, why did I pick this one? <laughs> this is tough. But the main reason I picked it is because one of my, one of my uh, there's a song, um, an older song that we sing that is based on the verses where it says that God is in heaven and we're on earth. So let your words be few. And so that one kind of stuck out to me this morning. I mean, st- stood out to me then. But this morning we're going to talk about, you know, what we should consider when approaching God in prayer and at church. We'll talk through why it's important to examine our hearts before entering God's presence. Now, my words and thoughts this morning aren't meant to be taken as I'm saying you have to do exactly what I say. I'm sharing with you some of the things I've learned while studying this text And I'm sharing some things the Lord hit me with to chew on and ponder. My prayer this morning is that you and I will discuss uh, what we're talking about this morning with the Lord, our families, and ask the Lord what he wants you and me to do with it. So the author of Ecclesiastes, the teacher, has shared some words of wisdom with us about society, relationships, and life based on things he observed going on under the sun. He observed many things while ruling over Israel and then some of these things he observed in his own personal life. But he wants his his readers to gain wisdom from this book. And this wisdom is found in a relationship with the one true God. And in this section, he shares what he's witnessed in personal worship. Moreover, how people approach God when they go to the temple to offer a sacrifice. What What has he observed in the temple? Well, He observed a lot of talking in vain vows. And the teacher would like to offer his readers some things to consider when going to the temple to worship God. 
So the first thing to consider is remembering who you are talking with. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen, rather, to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. According to a couple commentators, guard your steps, or another translation says, keep thy foot. It's an idiomatic expression standing for one's entire pattern of behavior. This declares that acceptable worship in God's sight is not merely an outward observance of religious duties, but also includes a pattern of life honoring God's commands. And this phrase, keep thy foot, is also an allusion to removing your shoes. So it's a reminder or caution to enter God's presence in a posture of humility, of awe, and respecting his holiness. The teacher urges the worshiper to approach God with respect and willingness to hear him, and that is obey what God says. This is a reminder to slow down, breathe, remind myself who God is. Don't just bust up in God's presence spouting what I want. This is what fools do. They think God will do what they want. I mean, I'm sorry. They think God will do what they want him, what he, what they want him to do and hear them if they speak lots of words, sharing how much knowledge they have and how well they've done it following God's commands. Jesus spoke about this in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 17. The person who fears God enters his presence in humility. They lay flat on their faces, either physically or spiritually, to show him reverence. James tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think that's a good point to remember when we enter God's presence, worship. Jesus also taught his disciples how to pray. He told them not to say a lot of words, but to simply say what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we, we shared before we started the service. So it's important to remember and to acknowledge that we're, we're entering God's presence when we, go, when we come to church. And when we fall on our knees to pray or we're driving in our car and we need to approach him in reverent fear. The second thing to consider is to think before you make a request to God. Think before you make a request to God. The teacher also observes people at the temple making vows to God that they don't intend to keep. See, the, vow, the vows are asking God to do something for the person, promising when God does the thing, he or she will do something for God. So it's a conditional thing. You say, hey, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. See, vows that are made and not kept. I'm sorry, my bad. Never has the teacher observed someone just offering a sacrifice to God and then standing there silently before him, waiting to hear from God. Vows that are made and not kept are like aimless activities and senseless words. They are compared to the fool. A fool who talks a lot reveals, that they, reveals what they don't know. They prove they don't have respect for God by making vows they aren't going to follow through with to a God who is holy. It's foolish to make hasty vows to the Lord. It's better to just acknowledge 
God's presence, his character, and his sovereignty when we speak with him than to make a vow that we know we can't keep. See, but God, he can keep his vows. And God can say, if I do, if I do this for you, you better do this for me. Because God has a long track record of keeping his promises. See, the fool also believes by speaking a lot of words, God will hear his prayers independent of the person's heart. See, God looks at our heart, not the amount of words we speak. Also, God is not moved to do what we ask because we have some strings attached to our prayers or we have eloquent speeches. The spirit in which we approach God and worship matters. He is more concerned with our obedience to him than the number of words or meaningless vows spoken. See, here's the main point and what the author is trying to tell us. Be careful what you say to God. He takes it seriously. And fools will say anything and often. So instead of making rash vows before God, one just needs to stand in awe of God. We stand in awe of him because of who he is and his grace that he has shown us. And it's so amazing. I like what one, commenta- what one commentator said in regards to fearing God. It says, the very concept of grace demonstrates gratitude. And gratitude can never be casual. See, we approach God with grateful hearts because he is so good to us and has given us so much for us to be able to be in a relationship with him. See, the problem with, with making a vow for God is, is that Deuteronomy chapter 23, 21 instructed people that if you make a vow before God, you got to keep it and you got to follow through with it. Now, there was one person in the Bible, well, there's probably a couple, but there's one person that really stands out to me in the book of Judges who made a rash vow before God and he had to pay a huge price for it. Many of you probably know this story. And if you don't know the story, you can look it up in the book of Judges. A gentleman told God that he would sacrifice the first thing that walks through his door. And what was that one thing that walked through his door? His daughter. See, the, te- the teacher mentions the problem with, with the making a vow and not keeping it is that some people will try to go to the, go back to the temple and tell the priest that was there that, hey, I didn't really mean that vow that I said. And uh, can, can I just kind of take that back? And the words of arguments that they might use to justify them not keeping the, those vows is really vain as a dream. Because it's kind of interesting when, when we are in distress or when we have difficulty, and this is even myself, sometimes we're so quick to make promises to God that if he would save us from this situation or the circumstance or problem, God, I'll do this. But then once we're freed from that, we forget about that. See, I remember two vows I made to God when I was younger. And I'll share, I'll share them both with you this morning. I'm okay with that. Um, the first vow was when I was... I was, I was younger and we were, uh, we were going on a road trip and we drove from San Antonio, Texas to Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember my dad had this cool idea that he was going to build the, his home, a homemade luggage rack on my mom's, top of my mom's van. I was kind of skeptical of this because the luggage rack was made out of some little scrap pieces of wood and some metal that were laid around the house. And all of our stuff was going to be on top of this van. And there was this tarp that covered it. And my dad had these ropes tied down. 
Man, I prayed so much during that trip. I was like, Lord, if you would please not allow our stuff to, to fly off on the highway. And God, I promise you, I will get rid of my rap music and I will believe in you. <laughs> I was so concerned for our stuff. And like, I seriously, I prayed so much every single day. Well, God allowed the luggage to stay on the rack the whole trip from San Antonio, Atlanta, Georgia, from Atlanta, Georgia, back to San Antonio. But I quickly forgot my vibe. And I choose to continue to listen to my rap music. And I complained about going to church every Sunday. <laughs> Just like a child and some adults. But then the second vibe was during my sophomore year in college. I was on academic probation. I couldn't play basketball. And I had gotten into some trouble due to a silly decision I made. And I needed help. So I decided to drop to my knees and I asked God for help. And I promised I would choose to follow him as my savior and would do what he asked me to do. After I prayed, I felt changed and confident to follow through. And a few months later, the children's pastor at the church I attended at the time asked me to volunteer in children's ministry. And I told her, I'm not sure children's ministry is my calling, but I would pray about it. I really didn't mean I would pray about it. I told her that that's because of what I heard other people say. Well, the next week, she asked me to help out again. And I told her I would pray about it again. And she looked at me and said, no, you won't. I'm telling you, God put you on my mind to ask about helping. And she said, she said that with such conviction and kindness in her voice. And then I told her, I said, I'll be there next week. So a few months later, the experience, I applied for an internship with Youth for Christ to learn about youth ministry. And in the year 2000, I started working with children at an apartment complex on Casino Road. 23 years later, I'm doing my best to stay faithful to God in my faith journey and ministry on Casino Road. I'm thankful God held me accountable to the vow I made. So what would the Lord ask us to do? How, how can we put into practice what the teacher is trying to, trying to teach us this morning? I have a couple things I'd like to, us to consider praying through and talking about with God. The first one is, is obey God. Be a child of God who seeks to follow Jesus' example to obey the Father in our actions. To be faithful to his commands and to honor him in our hearts. Live in and by God's grace every day. It's a good thing to do. Second is fear the Lord. Respect God and approach him in humility. It's, I think it's a great thing that God allows us to approach his throne and to enter his presence without a dreadful fear that we're going to die. You know, that's a cool thing that we can do that. And this is only possible because of Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus, he died in our place. He took our sin upon himself and paid the penalty for our sin by shedding his blood and sacrificing his life. When he died, it said that the veil in the temple that separated the, the holy place from the holy of holies where the ark resided was torn. So when we place our faith in Jesus, we have access to the Father, and we don't have to fear death for being in his presence. Jesus is our covering. So we can talk with the Father. He is willing to meet us. 
He's willing to listen to us. He is willing to speak to us. However, we need to remember he is the God of angel, angel armies, the Holy One of Israel, the one and true God. So when we enter his presence, it should be in thanksgiving, humility, reverent fear, and gratitude. You know, it's okay to ask God for things. It's okay to share God what's on our heart, what we want, the things we need. But we still got to just respect him and honor him in that. And not be like, well, God, you got to do this for me. And if you do, I'll do He's trying to twist his arm. I ain't trying to get into an arm wrestle with God because he'll break my arm. You can ask Israel about that. Third one is speak less and listen more. Sit in his presence to hear from him. I think the teacher wants to bring something else to our attention in this text. He wants us to reexamine our approach to prayer, sacrifice, and entering God's presence. We tend to ask God for things, but we should be quick to just sit in God's presence in silence and hear from him. And when he shares something with us, obey it. And we need to ask God in that obedience for his grace and his strength to follow through in what, what he shared with us. You know, God, it says, the Jesus told us the two greatest commandments is to love God and to love our neighbor. I wonder if we should sit in God's presence more and ask him, Father, how am I doing at loving you and loving my neighbor? So may we be people who seek to hear the Lord and obey what he has told us. And when we doubt or forget, let us approach him in humility, asking for his grace and his strength for the ability to obey him. Amen.